0: This podcast is brought to you by A Hotel Life, an award-winning travel website and community founded by Ben Pundle. This episode features Waris Alawalia, herbalist, designer, actor and philanthropist. Thank you so much for for joining us today. Ever since I posted this morning about you and I having a chat today, the excitement has been fever-like. So I'm I'm very, very excited to be chatting to you today. Herbalist, actor, designer, conservationist, global traveler, and maybe above all, a New Yorker. So thank you so much for, for joining us for a chat today. Firstly, how are you doing? How are you feeling? And where are you? It's a daily roller coaster, as as I'm sure it is with everyone.
1: I feel good. I feel lucky to be alive. I feel lucky to not be ill right now, and you know, taking extra precautions to stay stay healthy and you know keep my immunity and uh, you know at hundred percent. And then just watching the world fall apart. One element that there's there's an underlying sense of grief. There's a duality to everything that I feel like I'm saying. So there's an the underlying sense of grief for our, the suffering that's going on in, in the world. And then there's the the other side where there's a slight crack in, in the fact that, could this
0: lead to something better on the other side? So it's grief paired with with hope. Jumping onto a question that I had a little later, but grief and the condition that a lot of us are in, we're the fortunate ones, so maybe not us, the condition that the world is in is causing an enormous amount of stress, which the, the UN, I think, has called a 21st century epidemic. And you've been focusing on stress and what it means to our generation for a while now. So how does that fit into to the current crisis? It's funny to
1: sit back and now watch the world use our brand language, calling this the great pause, the great reset, slowing down. It's what we've been talking about for years. We've al- allowed ourselves to exist in a world that puts profit over people for so long, mm-hmm. for not just years, not just tens of years, but hundreds of years, and not just in the West but in the East, everyone is guilty of this. There's no one that can, you know, that has clean hands when it comes to this method of existence, this this life. You know, when you when you look at uh, elected officials now saying that for the good of the economy, elected officials saying that for the good of the economy that some senior citizens should be sacrificed. That's what you call barbaric. There is, on the other side, the potential of change. We created this company, House of Wars Botanicals, because... As you said, the UN calls stress the 21st
0: century epidemic. As New Yorkers, we go through each day completely stressed out. And when you tell someone you're stressed, you get a pat on the back. And I didn't realize the stress we actually put our bodies through on a, on a daily basis until we were forced not to. The change is incredible. We yeah. get so used to this stress, you know, so, so conditioned to carrying this stress around with us i had no idea what life could be like without that stress stress on the body but the botanicals and and, and a lot of things you do are in direct response to stress tell us more a little more about the botanicals imagine a day just anyone's day where you wake up and how,
1: how do you like wake up in the day i'm gonna Guess it's not with the sound of birds chirping. It's an alarm. And if it's going to wake you up, it's going to be a jarring alarm. And then you, you have a coffee in the morning, which is another jolt. The alarm wakes you up. You don't wake up pleasantly. You jolt your body with the caffeine. You're either driving or you're in the subway. Someone pushes you. Someone cuts you off. So you're, you're agitated. You get to work. Your colleague, your boss, relationship issues, financial issues, family issues. It's like one thing after another. We're never going to be able to get away with not having that. But what we can adjust is our response to that and how we, how we address that. Because stress is going to be a part of it. And the problem is how we've been addressing it is through pharmaceuticals, right? right. For so long, because we're, we're conditioned to accept the shortcut. We look for the shortcut, right? Like we celebrate the shortcut, the hack. That is what our culture looks for when it's the shortcut that has gotten us to this place. In every sense of that word, to this place today, whether it's our own health as a nation, as a a planet in the the current pandemic, it's the shortcut. It's things like deforestation. Deforestation is the canary in the coal mine for what, you know,
0: animals coming out of the forest. There's so many tangents we can go off of this it's a very strange time we're living in when we're celebrating the hack where we're celebrating the stress the, sh- the shortcut yeah in essence it's time that we start trying to figure out the long-term plan how can we conserve humanity you've been in conservation for i think as long as i've known you which is about 20 years your focus has hi- historically been on the protection of endangered species in asia and now i feel like that's much broader and because it's not just you're not you, you you haven't produced tea for the sake of for the sake of tea it's it's to address this idea of the global epi- epidemic that is is stress i
1: laugh and i and i always go i don't know where it came from and then and then when I visited my mother in Brooklyn and we were having dinner at the dining room table, which has got carved lions and behind her is a brass plate of elephants and antelope that my father, my late father had purchased at an auction. Like there are animals everywhere in the house, lions and tigers. And so without knowing it, I feel like I've grown up with the symbology of animals. and And, and then just in my work, like when I worked in design and I worked in jewelry, I was always looking at, trees and animals and, and shapes and forms in the natural world and it only seemed to make sense that if I'm going to take things from the
0: planet and even if it was inspiration that I had to do whatever I could to give back to it. Brilliant we could all learn a, a lot from that uh, and then speaking about your work Boris, our, our our lovely friend Athena Calderon called you a multi-hyphenate meaning you live many roles that you wear many hats how do you decide what you want to work on and when and with how much time and energy? my gut and instinct. And although it seems disparate, it all connects.
1: It'll all make sense down the road, but it all connects. My work in conservation, elephants walk through tea fields and tea estates. So now we're working with tea estates to talk to them about creating elephant-friendly tea. And I'm in touch with, um, you know, an organization that certifies states as as elephant-friendly. But the same thing that's stressing the animals, the same the same problems is what's going to affect us, right? The loss of land, the loss of habitat, and the loss of nature. And so it all ties back in. Our herbs come from nature. My studies in this work, and it comes from a place where indigenous cultures have used herbs, spices, plants as healing solutions for centuries, right? And the, And these are the same people that then also respected nature and the wild and their
0: place in it and sort of coming at it from very different ways but it's all interconnected i think one thing that all your many hats have in common is travel whether it's design or tea or acting um and some of the brands you work with is that intentional or is that a byproduct because to me when i think of one of the world's greatest global travelers you you're it where does that come from where does love travel come from is that intentional is it it, is that something that's just happened? And how are you feeling about the world of travel right now?
1: Now I travel from the laundry room to the bathroom, <laughs> to the kitchen, to the bedroom. <laughs> and, and and for, for fun, I've, I've put up customs tables. And so there's customs agents at each one. And, and, you know, it just, just for fun to make me feel like it's,
0: you know, the, the, still, still traveling. I saw a meme of somebody with a treadmill in their house, and they would they would just stand next to it and put their suitcase on it as if it were a. <laughs> I, thought it was, I thought it was brilliant, actually, very funny.
1: I think that the, I fell in love with travel at, at an early age. Just I loved seeing new places and the the movement and, and the exploration. The world has been sort of conquered, right? There's no there's no unconquered un unexplored areas, and I long for that time where like, you could find a new land or a new mm-hmm. culture, a new experience that no one has seen, but I really just fell in love with travel for two parts, just for the discovery of food and, and, and sights. but then also in the work that we do, we have friends that live in every corner of the world. Yeah. And for me, more than just the city, like I, I love London, obviously because it's, it's a wonderful city. it's beautiful, and I it, have it, so much fun there, but it's for the people. It's the people that are in Paris that I love. It's the people that are in Istanbul that I love Istanbul. Like it's
0: not not the building. That leads me on to something I was creepily reading up on you yesterday a little bit. And as much as I think of you as a global traveler, I think of you as a New Yorker. I've known you for over 20 years. I've been in New York for 22 years. I've known you for, for over 20 of those years. And when I think of a typical New Yorker, I think of you and you've been very outspoken in your love for New York, and you were quoted as saying, I've given a lot to New York, and New York in return has given a lot to me. New York's greatness is in its people. Now you are a true hardcore, in my opinion, New Yorker, and I love that about you. So how are you feeling about being a New Yorker at this time You know, when New York is at the epicenter of the corona corona crisis? To start with, I would say I was born twice. Once in Amritsar,
1: Punjab in India, and the second time when I arrived in New York when I was five, and since that day since that day of arriving in New York, every day I've felt the electricity on the mm-hmm. street every mm-hmm. day it didn't wane five years later, ten years later it didn't wane after thirty forty years later of, of walking the same streets it mm-hmm. didn't go away as I've said, and as you said that that electricity doesn't come from the wires that electricity doesn't come from the buildings it comes from the people that come there and choose to make it home. And I've been there for, for everything, whether it was Sandy or 9-11, or I've seen the city suffer and I've seen the people stand up and I've, I've seen us fight and not settle for what's been handed to us. So I think that the city is, is suffering, but it's, it's beyond. I
0: mean, it's the definition of resilient. We're not going anywhere, and unfortunately for the rest of the world, the expression that's been coined recently is "New York tough." I feel exactly the same as you. Look, I've, I, the tiny things we can do. I have my I heart New York mug every every time I interview somebody, just to show my gratitude and appreciation for those who are on the front lines in New York, and there's a lot of them. And it's if you are not from New York, it's very different right now because we hear the sirens, we hear the stories. My friends. Uh, you have got coronavirus yeah, yeah. and it's everywhere. So, you're, you know, there are other parts of the world. I read today that uh, Sydney's opening up the beaches. Like, I couldn't imagine New York being open right now, even though it seems that cases are on the, uh, are on the decline, thank goodness. But uh, I, I feel the same way. Uh, I feel, I've been here for 22 years. I didn't move here when I was five. I moved here when I was 20, 24. But I still feel so excited about New York. And I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad I'm, I was here. I was here during 9-11. I was here during Sandy. I was here during the blackouts. And I'm glad I'm here because I do identify with being a New Yorker. And it's a special place. But I, I did wonder because you've been very vocal about that. And I, I really appreciate New Yorkers who are vocal about New York. It's given me everything. It's opened my eyes. It's opened my world up. It's
1: brought me such incredible people. You know, I mean, I remember us at Cafe Libowitz having lunch 20 years ago right, on, uh, on spring and, and Elizabeth, and it was a sunny afternoon. The people that have, that have come through my life is because of the city. The city has brought us all together. And so I will celebrate that city till the end of
0: time. I do just want to say to everybody that I, I asked Warris whether I could mention this. So Warris was a, was a victim of hate crime after 9-11, I guess, because of the way he looked and the, the ignorance of, of some people. Uh, and that kind of thing is happening, again, all over the world with people from China, you know? So what do you have to say about that? It's our flaw
1: and we can't seem to get rid of it. We can't seem to learn. And that's what fascinates me about humankind is that we've been here before and what separates us from the animals is our ability to learn, right? And our ability to retain that knowledge. And yet we always allow the one thing to get in the way and to, rule our lives and to guide us in our decision making process and whether that's policy or that's you know who you're going to attack or what you're going to do it's fear it can come from the the smallest place with your own personal fears of what you want to do how you want to exist you're afraid of how the world you know even even creativity you're, you're afraid of what the world's going to say about your work or you're afraid about trying new things or you know this is going to be such a crazy time. Fifteen million people unemployed. People are going to have to let go of their fears and and try new things and experience. You know, like they're going to have to find work, and it's going to come from letting go of of this fear. And where where it becomes even worse is this fear of the other. No matter what, we want to blame the other. No matter what, like this is this is the, this is the human condition. It's like it's so much easier if you can blame someone, right? And so much easier um, for. For whatever troubles, for your economic troubles, for your relationship troubles, for your work troubles, it's always the colleague or the boss. It's, it's never, you never take time to pause and go, wait, this might be on me, or maybe I can improve the situation. It's so much easier. Fear grows like a weed, like an invasive weed in our bodies and our minds and our hearts, and it takes over. It's just, it's just easy. It's just laziness. And so I was, I was punched in the face. Um, you know, the April after and in Joe's Pizza after a night out at um downhills, Thursday night downhills, getting pizza uh at, at, at Joe's at at for him. And you know, I, I nearly lost vision in my right eye. Um I you know, I I would have had to have been wearing a patch which which would have been a little bit dramatic. But it could, have, it could have worked for me. You know what I mean? Like, it, I would have been able to pull it off. But How do you uh, make,
0: make light like, of the sit, sit, sit situation? Because there's, there's no place for prejudice like that. So there's, there's no place it just, for prejudice like that in New York or anywhere. No, but I have
1: to move forward. I can't live in that darkness that that person no. put onto me. Like, that person tried mm-hmm. to bring me down. And they didn't. They can't. Like, I can't be held down. And I'm a New Yorker. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> like, are you kidding me you think you're gonna punch me and like that's gonna be it that's gonna destroy it? like it it only makes me more resilient it only makes me love the city even more it only makes me want to do more and to create more people are doomed to repeat this thing over and over again of of you know now it's against you know the fear of chinese people it's it's absurd, absurd. right like, it's, it's just absurd it's it's just that's the human condition is is fear right and that's 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 where it comes from. It'd be great if there were classes about fear, you know, like in college or in high school, instead of just the skill sets that people teach about, you know, economics or being a mechanic or refrigeration repair or computer technician or doctor or whatever it is, if if there were also classes about fear and about what that means and what that looks like in the history of of fear in, in humanity, that'd
0: be an amazing class in high school. And I think we, as hopefully relatively intelligent humans, it's time to exercise our you know, ability to show our appreciation for diversity and acceptance and support everybody that's around us. I say certainly in New York because we're at the epicenter of the, the corona virus. So it doesn't matter of age or persuasion or color or race or background. There's definitely something we can, we can all do despite our differences. It's not about a few people doing everything. It's about everyone
1: doing little things. That's where great change happens, right? It's like a few people, you can only do so much. And if they do 100% of the work, you can only do so much. But if everyone did a little bit, right? If everyone found their way of giving back, and I mean by everyone, right? Like if everyone found their way in, in the simplest way, we we're like, what can we do? We have we have tea that, that people buy. And we're like, let's give a percent of those proceeds to City Meals on Wheels. I remember after Sandy going, to um, climbing up the like, 20 flights of stairs to bring food to the elderly. You know, especially after hearing the absurdity of, of our government officials saying, senior, senior citizens should be sacrificed for the sake of oh. our economy. I was just like, a culture that disrespects the elderly is so embarrassing and uh, history will not look kindly upon us. So whatever you can do, even if, even if you feel like you're stuck at home, there's still things that you can
0: do being stuck at home. Switching gears, there are a few people that did do a lot this past weekend—the One World Together at Home concert that Lady Gaga curated, which I hope everybody saw. Because whether you like the acts, whether you like the idea or not, they raised over fifty million dollars, and uh, I thought it was a great example of the entertainment industry coming together to do some good during some, you know, these very difficult times. Here's the question: What role do you see celebrity culture playing post-Corona?
1: We talk about always, and you read these articles about what life will be like post-corona. We've existed in a certain way for so long that even if we, that we have a year off from our livelihoods, there are so many machines set up to support those things. There are so many people vested in interest with whatever it is, if it's celebrity or if it's Hollywood. There's so much that has been invested in that. It won't go away. These things won't disappear. What this has done is, and what you keep reading about from people, people keep texting about it and like like about their value systems, you know, that people are not maybe buying less or they're, they're valuing family time or relationships they're valuing. Can some of this last beyond that once we get hit with so much advertising and mm-hmm. so much marketing, which is going to be needed to bring the economy back? Mm-hmm. I, I completely understand that. It's going to, we're going to need that to boost the economy up. But will we lose sight of the things that we realized, of how little we actually need? Will we forget that? Will we forget these moments that we've had right now where we've been able to connect with friends and loved ones, where we've been able to hopefully connect with ourselves and realize we don't need more. We don't need another bag. We don't need more shoes. We don't need. We don't need
0: these things. Will we forget that on the other side? But there are a lot of people that do need to get back to work to keep a roof over their head, to pay the rent, to, yeah. to eat. And I think uh, Ian Schrager said, said pretty much the same thing. Life will go back to normal. Yeah. yeah, It will. Sure, there's going to be some innovation that comes out of this. There are going to be some practices that come out of this that will hopefully last. There will be some moments, like, like you said, connecting with your family, calling relatives more often, or actually learning how to sit in silence for, mm-hmm. for, for mm-hmm. a while because we are not good at that. But I think, uh, you know, we will go back to some kind of normal. And people always need aspiration and inspiration. Mm -hmm. I I wanted to ask you the question about celebrity culture because you seemed like the person that I could do that with. And I I think we need it. And, and that could be controversial, but we need it. We need people to put on pedestals. We need, we need to take the people from the magazines and the TV and, dare I say, Instagram, and we need them to inspire us. And hopefully they'll refocus their attentions on the mm-hmm. things that actually, that, 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 that are I mean, they won't be relevant if they don't, which yeah. is good because yeah. thankfully there'll be people who have an enormous amount of influence who are actually saying the right things after this. I'm kind of, in a way, all for it because it's going to be better than it was before. I mean, because it was getting stupid. But, uh, you know, I think this idea of celebrity culture is here to stay, like a lot of things. If this can actually be somewhat of a reset, of
1: course, as you mentioned, people need jobs and people need to, like, there's factories that need to produce things and there's people that that have stores that need to sell things. That paradigm will always exist. But there could be a new version of it. Like, what is it that we're producing, right? Mm. Take time to to re-engineer things that we're producing, like to rethink, you know, the materials that we're using. We're not saying take away those jobs, those jobs, you know, they'll always be there, but in that innovation that you're talking about, and that's the challenge is that like, pause, these things weren't working. Like, what do you call it when you do the same thing over and over again and expect different results? Madness. Yes, that's what we've been living with for so,
0: so long. And so it's like, what if we did something slightly different and what if we did it with clean energy and yeah. no waste and yeah. uh, and sustainable practices and fair trade and, yeah. yeah what if you paid everyone a little bit more all of a sudden it's like delivery people are heroes which i know are the practices that you've adopted yeah. to create the house of waris botanicals yeah this is not a shameless plug on your <laughs> house, but i'm 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 proud of you as my as my friend uh that you have managed to create a product that is is essentially fair trade no way sustainable and tastes delicious in my i love new york month i love new york month you travel a lot so it must be quite nice to be home for a second so are you taking life online at all is is there anything that you've been you've been doing cooking expos or or i mean obviously thank you so much for joining me today for this but have you been joining other other chats or doing dance routines or or you know (laughs) yoga or anything like like that, or have you been taking this time to enjoy a bit of peace and quiet? I signed up for a class at Yale, and just like the the terrible
1: student that I was, I still haven't done any of the coursework. So I'm excited to say that I, I you know, I was I was joking around after I signed up for the class and say I got into Yale, and then that was followed up with and I'm already <laughs> and I'm already failing. <laughs> I'm already, i I got into Yale. Yeah. Everybody, don't it's I don't don't please don't make a big deal out of it. But I'm already failing out of Yale. Um, we been trying to do those things, but we're we've been quite busy with you know, the first two weeks I I sat back and watched as to like what was going on in the world. I'm much more of an observer. I don't jump in and just sort of make more noise. I, I wanted to watch and see what was going on and see how the world was impacted and trying to understand what our role could be, right? As as a company, as an as an individual and um and so, you know, first we started with the tea, with the money going back to city meals on wheels. And then we you know we have this you know the the I think the last time I saw you was at our dinner club wasn't it yeah. in at the, yeah. at the at the Bowery Hotel um, and we do this dinner club and we'll we'll start again it's a delicious exploration of the healing powers of whole food plant based nutrition and it's a celebration of plants it's a celebration of community and then we we're trying to figure out how we could translate that to where we are now and uh, so tomorrow we're actually doing our first digital dinner club or our stay the F home digital dinner club. And it's with chef Courtney Burns and uh, she's going to teach us. And I I love home cooking. I celebrate home cooking. um, And I have dinners at home all the time and I invite people over, but I also invite friends over that cook. And so that's, (laughs) that's, that's, so that's, um, so so tomorrow we'll be uh making a vegan vitality broth to lead us into spring and to lead us into you know to um as this weather changes and um so we'll be doing that and then but part of that was also the restaurants are closed, chefs are home, they need to pay their staff and you know, even if they are doing takeout, it's only a portion of what their revenues are. And so and I, and I know I was inundated with like restaurants saying, Please support our fund. And I was like, what if we could do this in a more fun way? And what if we could raise money during the sort of cooking class? And so I started imagining it as like a, as a telethon, as a cooking telethon.
0: Will you be cooking tomorrow? Do we get to see you? Cooking? Yeah, I'll, I'll be <laughs> cooking. I'll, then it's I'll be cooking. So, so what time tomorrow? I think it's at uh, 6- 6 p.m. Yeah. New
1: York time at House of Wars, my Instagram. And we'll be um, coming at you live with Courtney Burns. You, you were my
0: first, just so you know. We will definitely be joining you. So I've got, to, I've got to, you know, spice it up a little bit. We've got a quick fire round. Uh, first oh. job. First real job was selling um, pots and pans door to door. No
1: way. That's never come up in any article or anywhere. It was like, it was a summer job. It was high school, knocking on doors, selling pots and pans. In New York?
0: In New York. In New York, in New York? yeah, that, that was real fun. Please Imagine people me. opening
1: their door with me, with pots and pans outside their door. Please tell me there's a picture of that somewhere. Acting gig where you've had the most fun. It would have to be Life Aquatic. It would have to be the first film I ever did in uh, in Italy. It was surreal.
0: Five months with Bill
1: Murray. Five months. I remember getting there and landing there in in Rome and it being completely surreal. Because I was like, I'd been to Rome before, but not to make a film. And I went down to my reception at the hotel. There was a note from Wes saying, come to dinner and, you know, by Piazza uh, Espana and I, night and go. And, and that's when I met Bill for the first time. And I remember like looking at him and in my head is flashing like scenes from every movie that he's ever done. And it was, you know, you brought up the word celebrity. It wasn't celebrity. It
0: was it's Bill Murray. He completely transcends any kind of idea of celebrity. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that was, that was definitely, you know, that was definitely the first one, you know, like when we, uh,
1: dancing under the stars with, with Angelica, uh, Houston, and that was definitely my favorite one, by far. Great to hear. Um, favorite New Yorker? Oh, favorite New Yorker?
0: Yeah. Um,
1: that's, a, that's a... How are these the speed rounds? <laughs> um, uh, uh, you know, um, we could move on. First person you da- da- oh, The, doctor's, the doctors and delivery people and nurses. Good job. Good job. First person you'll hug when you get out of quarantine? That's an easy one. My mother, I haven't yeah. seen her for, for five weeks. She's on 100% lockdown with sister, thankfully. Right. Um, and there, no one in, no one out. We FaceTime a few times a day, but
0: uh, I'm, I'm running to Brooklyn. Well, you know, I've met your mom a few times, and she's pretty yeah. New York tough. Uh, your first country, you'll travel to when you can. I'd really
1: like a dip in a warm sea. I'd like some coconut water in my hand. Maybe a plate of papaya. With some lime squeezed over it and some spices on top of that. Is uh, so there anywhere that that where where I can get to
0: that allow me to do that? Like your style, I'll be right there with you. You're your, your dressed for it. Yeah, I'm dressed for it. I'm ready. I'm so ready. I'm gonna be dressed in this in a couple of months too, this is it. This is, this, this is staying to stay on. Um, any mu- music you've had on repeat? What's been keeping you up and dancing? My friends keep sending me artists from Africa, and I'm trying
1: to remember what country, but Tegnu. Teng- I can't remember, but the, I've been getting um, links to music from Africa, which is, which is it gets you moving.
0: Amazing. I'll send, yeah, you, send, I'll send, send you a link. We'll share it with everybody. I know you've been very, very generous with your time. And I've just got one last question. If anybody has a question yeah. that they'd like to ask, or the both of us, then please send it through now. Uh, one last question. So do you think this is a the wake-up call the, the world needs, or do you think we're going to go straight back to normal when we can? I think
1: it has the opportunity and has the potential to be the wake-up call that we need. And it's, it's presented itself as that. We exist in a broken system, a system that puts financial gain over people and the well-being of people. And it's done that for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. So we have the opportunity to rethink that. We have the opportunity to rethink the inequities that are in the world, the suffering that has existed prior to this. Sure, the pandemic is terrible, but this suffering has existed, this inequity has existed prior to this. This has just highlighted some of that and it's made it so much more evident. These problems that we're facing now, they're not just today. And it's just like, it's not due to the pandemic, it's, it's been a problem and we've just let it because it's, it's there and it's in the distance and we're, we're okay with it and we don't have to deal with it, but now it's in our faces. So it presents an opportunity and it starts with each one of us, everyone 144 people listening and watching of going, what is it that on the other side of this, what is it that I'm gonna do to be a part of a solution? we've all been part of the problem, right? Like I I'm no different. This is this is not this is not pointing fingers at anybody. I'm even at best in everything that I try to do, I'm still part of the problem. And so what is it that I can do on the other side of this that may lead us to a better place and if and if enough of us do it in to whatever degree we have the potential for
0: for, for that change. Very, very well said. Thank you so much for for talking to me today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for the insightful words. And I hope we'll be gallivanting around somewhere with warm sea and papaya. Uh, Yeah. I can't wait. I'll see you there. This podcast is brought to you by A Hotel Life, an award-winning travel website and community. Founded by Ben Pundel, This episode features Waris Alawalia, herbalist, designer, actor, and philanthropist.